is my being a tiger person ominous in some way? Did you notice a tiger person and go, oh my God, it's a tiger? Like, what do I do <laughs> when you first found me? I probably, yes and no. On an unconscious level, I believe I was like assured of your caliber <laughs> by the fact that of all the animals you could have selected, you selected a tiger. So what is it about tigers? Um, I've just always loved them. They've been my favorite big cat since I was um, a kid. And I probably like moved away from them a little bit because I'm an Aquarius and we are contrarians. And so whenever I get the sense that something is like the normie choice, this was especially prominent in me when I was a kid. It's less <laughs> so now. But like I was like, oh, tigers are too normal because like <laughs> zoo books were big, you know, and I got this like zoo book with this huge tiger. So fucking awesome. Um, but I was like, okay, we have to like a more esoteric big cat now. <laughs> right. So, like, cause, cause the leopard. lion is sure. Like the lion is sort of the mainstream cat. And so the tiger is the sort of loner alternative. Right. So I thought I was being esoteric enough by liking the tiger, but I eventually wandered even further into the alternative big cat category, uh -huh. but it's always been tiger in my heart. So yeah, I, I'm, I'm interested in your lifelong relationship with favorite animals or favorite favorite objects or symbols of any kind because it seems to sort of lead to the kinds of divination practice that you have built up your whole life but starting in a very universal human child behavior of like picking favorites and I want yeah. to know more about how that <laughs> went for you and like, like how, how conscious of that you have been. This is such a good like prompt because I think about this a lot, but I've never really like discussed it. Um, yeah, the, I feel like I've always felt like as a kid, like, right. Like the picking your favorite thing of something was like this massive, like choice that was like super important. Mm -hmm. Um, and I would always get really like anxious about these decisions. I feel like a lot of people, especially um, my like prominently Leo placemented friends are always just like, I don't understand this level of consternation about <laughs> like deciding what, how you're like expressing yourself. Um, and I'm like, but I think that things are symbols of other things. And yeah. I think that even though I've like, I didn't have this language at all when I was a kid, I think there was like a big part of me that was like, okay, like this is my identity that mm. we're doing right now. This is like going to be my like avatar in the field of animals, right? Like uh -huh. who am I, uh -huh. right? So is it about sort of the density of meaning of that creature? Like are you learning about the behaviors and manners and diets and sleep habits of that and mating habits of those creatures as a way of sort of reflecting some inner condition? Like now, yes, I will do a lot of information and learning about like a specific habit or like behaviors of the animal to yeah. like understand the self. But as a kid, I think it was like fully on vibes. Yes. I was just like the the tiger vibe is my vibe. Like, look at all that orange, like yeah. incredible. Yes, orange <laughs> and black. How can you not? Uh, and black. It's the Halloween <laughs> animal. Like. That's a very good point. Uh, here's a question, Hawk. Um, what's the difference between information and vibes? Uh, vibes are information that are too, well, I have multiple answers to this question. Great. Okay. Vibes are information. Vibes are information, uh -huh. period. 
I think that when we say information, we think about things that are a lot more discrete, like packets that can be sort of circumscribed by a linguistic description. Mm -hmm. Whereas a vibe, like calling something a vibe is in and of itself telling the listener that you do not, that it defies linguistic uh -huh. circumscription. It's just a vibe. <laughs> do, does all information contain vibes? Does all information contain vibes? Yes, I believe so. Mm. I believe that it's it's possible to talk about vibes as like the underpinning situation of information. Like vibe. Okay, so like vibration. That's boring. I don't want to talk about vibration. <laughs> <laughs> but like, okay, so I was just reading um uh Vivekananda's interpretation of Patanjali, right? And he talks about how like the syllable om, right? And how language has like like when you get really good words for things it's because the language like the words themselves are reflective structurally in the way that they literally vibrate the air and uh -huh. inside your mouth of the underlying meaning of the thing right so like the symbol represents the referent is mm -hmm. that the right word mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um so i feel like you can have information vibe correspondence like that like if you do a really spectacular job describing something or like putting something into words it can be indistinguishable from the vibe uh -huh. right you lose nothing there's this lossless communication sure um or lossless guess, enough for i guess that's what lossless means like in signal processing terms lossless means imperceptibly lost like like there's there's you, you've done enough to convey the whole thing it doesn't have to be like an infinite encapsulation or a complete identity Right. And one of the things about omens is I feel like it is a um, waypoint between vibes and information, like vibes and discrete description and language. Uh -huh. In our scenes, sometimes vibes are used pejoratively <laughs> as a way of describing um, undisciplined practice of divination. Right. Uh, and I'm very interested in you positioning omens as an intermediary between pure vibes and pure, <laughs> pure information. The vibe, pure lands. Yes, the, the pure land of vibes and like the <laughs> the like like hungry ghost realm of information of right. with no vibes. Uh, so zero vibes, yeah. only only mathematics. Right, exactly. So and then you know what that realm probably like wraps back around in some hidden like occult dimension well, somewhere that's the promise of the like oh the universe is just math people uh -huh. is that like you can actually rid yourself of vibes in their entirety by <laughs> using this perfect language of description uh, <laughs> yes but so failing that it's it seems like maybe this is what you're saying i want to ask if this is what you're saying like omens <laughs> omens are uh an intermediary medium like medium medium is, mm -hmm. is exactly the way i mean it's funny because like the medium is often medium is often used to refer to the person who is receiving the, the point omen. between two things yeah the intermediary right uh so is is there is there is that the importance of understanding and relating to omens in your own let's just for now say like your own personal spiritual life like is is it a is it a way to sort of draw yourself into the middle between these two ways of operating 
Yeah. Yeah. So I think I started from, I wanted more information than vibes could give me uh -huh. th than just pure vibes. Um, I'm not like a psychic or at least I did not at all start that way in my spiritual practice. I didn't mm -hmm. get a lot of like free info, right. From uh -huh. the vibes lands. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so like, whereas like some people I feel like are constantly like channeling bullshit and they're just like randomly, like fully on vibes, like getting info and stuff like that. But yeah. I needed, I wanted something more concrete and I needed something more concrete to make like information actually feel real to me. And so I started with animal omens as like a way to do that. Cause I, there was just like a lot of, a lot of people doing it. People have been doing it for a really long time. Sure. Um, and yeah, so I, I just like started normally I'm like, you're like moving through space. Right. And there's this kind of like esoteric vibe of the moment, right? Like what is happening right now? Mm -hmm. Like beyond just, I'm having breakfast. It's like, okay, I'm also like moving through the like flesh of the universal time stream. Right. And like, what is the nature of the present portion of the universal time stream? Mm -hmm. I don't want to have to necessarily like sit down and meditate to like mind meld with the moment. Like yeah. every single time I want to know what's happening. So yeah. I'm kind of like, I found that if I was seeing a lot of like eagles or something, I could like Google, like, what is the deal with the eagle? Right. <laughs> and get really useful esoteric information about the present moment, like, and my present intersection with the present moment. And it's also super helpful for like, uh, emotional processing. Cause I, um, am neurodivergent and like, I think looking inward to figure out my own uh, emotional state has always been really challenging for me. Uh -huh. And once I realized that I could low key, just like solicit the cosmos for information about like, where am I uh -huh. currently uh -huh. and get it and then like journal about it. And it's way more interesting anyway, because it's animals now. Mm -hmm. Incredible. Yeah. Incredible vibes. <laughs> the, the, uh, the thing I want to ask you about in terms of how those things show up, is the relationship between the omen and like sequence. I mean, I guess the word, I guess the word most people would use would be like synchronicity. What what I mean is like repetition of symbols. Like how does, I mean, really, I guess salience, like how does, how does a, how does an omen jump out as salient to you? I think a lot of people see it over and over again and they go, Oh, this must be a message from the universe. And that's what I mean by synchronicity. But I don't want to assume that's what it is. Like how, how do you notice the significance of one thing out of like the infinite time stream at any given slice? Uh, you, d you don't kind of, <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately it is just like a nonstop onslaught of information and all of it is relevant and pertinent. It's kind of like trying to have a conversation with somebody who literally never stops making sounds. Uh -huh. But no, there, I mean, repetition is one way mm -hmm. um, that is popular <laughs> Yes, right. as a way to, as a way to detect whether or not something is significant. And it makes sense too. If someone's talking to you and they say something that doesn't really matter, they're not going to repeat themselves. They're just going to be like, oh, never mind. It's not a big uh -huh. deal. Uh -huh. But if you're talking to someone that's like, no, I literally need an answer to this. They're going to like keep saying it until you like hear them. Sure. That makes total sense. It, it seems like though, then if it's constant, and it's everything and you could pick any of it, then there must be a choice yeah. that you have to make somewhere. 
Yes, but also wait, but continuing the metaphor of someone having a conversation with you, uh -huh. it's like the other way that I feel like it gets really emphasized is if someone makes direct eye contact with you before speaking. Does that make sense? Oh, like yeah. you can have the repetition one if you're not really paying attention, but like so like when I wanted to I changed my name to Hawk like in 2021 and I had a lot of stuff, a lot of Hawk stuff my entire life. Love Hawk, solid, amazing animal. Yes. Um but when I was finally like I'm actually going to do this. Is this the name? Uh, a hawk burst out of the bushes next to where my car was and flared its wings directly in front of my car windshield and, and then like flew off. And so like that to me felt like a look at me, look at me, you know, you know? Yeah. And even, even though there hadn't really been many hawk synchronicities surrounding that moment, except for me just like thinking I was going to change my name to hawk. It was like, that was a direct, emphasized moment of icon and you can just use discernment mm -hmm. to tell whether or not something's important it's like mm -hmm. taking notes you know mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. the lecture is talking but it's like you can like figure out like what part of this might actually relate to me like what do i need to write down that is a way better answer to the question than anything about like so some kind of mental choice happening it, it's 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 just like a it's like a perceptual layer but but i i also uh, want to point out that hawks landing on your windshield and flaring their wings at you is not something that happens abundantly often to people. No. Uh, so <laughs> I, I want, I want to know, and like, I, this is like, like that is of course a rather crazy one. I picked a very loud one. It was yeah. like, I mean, it was loud enough to change the entire signifier by which I refer to my personhood. <laughs> and yeah. you know what I mean? Yes, that'll do it. <laughs> Uh, but, but I, I also feel like I do hear from you fairly often about like super crazy ones that, that are, that are not, I mean, like, I, I feel like I get pretty weird omens too. Like, that's why we hang out, but like you, you're, you, you, I, I guess what I want to know is like, do you think that there is any kind of attractive force, uh, to this communication that uh you are partaking of in any way yeah and i think what you said about the choice actually is like really real like there is i think asking for it by like name mm -hmm. being like i would like to receive the omens please give mm -hmm. me the signs give me the symbols all the time like i spent like my lifetime as an occult practitioner which is 10 years now like begging god for signs mm -hmm. And like, I get a bunch of them mm -hmm. because of that. Mm -hmm. I feel like persistent requests. Yeah. I have a ninth house moon too, for the astrology nerds. So mm -hmm. I think that like, that's the, that's the place where divination and like omens from God happen. And so I have a big receptive satellite disc, like, or dish rather yeah. like sitting up there yeah. being like, please put the signs in the bowl. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes. And God is like, sure. Uh -huh. <laughs> I will. <laughs> Cool. So, so there's, yeah. So you're, you're partaking in it on purpose and have been for a long time. Yeah. And I don't feel like this happened to me before, before I was doing that. It wasn't really like that. I did mm. get like one crazy, I have, like, I can think of one insane synchronicity that happened, but I didn't even register it thusly uh -huh. because I was not in the mind space. Like if you don't have the bowl, 
right. to catch the juice in. Yeah. It's just going to like flow over the windshield as it were to completely mix metaphors. <laughs> well, I mean, I was at the beginning trying to connect your sort of childhood favorite animals to this uh, as a, as a way of looking for like a primordial aptitude that you might have had all along. And I just, I just wonder, like, I, it's interesting to hear you say that that wasn't such a big thing before you, uh, before you started asking for it. Yeah. But it's inclination, right? Like uh -huh. there's this like desperation for signifiers that I think was very present mm -hmm. in me like opposed that leo moon is an aquarius sun right so it's yeah. like the sun is in a place for the non-astrology heads mm -hmm. but like the sun is in a place like where it struggles to do traditionally solar significations yeah. like having a firm sense of internal identity without that being supported by your external context so like I was really looking for ways to have my self-understanding reflected and supported by external context. So like deciding uh, what I was going to be when I grew up and stuff like I needed all these pieces, uh, right? Yeah. Like pieces of flair, like little <laughs> patches on my jacket when I got older and like all this stuff, like supporting pieces for my identity. Yeah. Um, and I was like really into personality tests and like all these, things. anything that would spit back out a, re a reflection mm -hmm. that was like, this is who you are. And I'd be like, oh, okay. And like, I could decide whether I agreed with it or not. And like, use that as like a strut to like, hold up my self-understanding. Oh. Nice. Um, then I found astrology. Yeah. Whoops. <laughs> but yeah, so I feel like there is the, there's like the aptitude is more like desire. It's like, I uh -huh. really, really wanted feedback from God basically. Uh -huh. And I was like willing to sit there and ask for it over and over again. There probably is some degree of, of like luck for me personally. I don't want to make it sound like, oh, I just tried really hard and now birds talk to me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What is the difference between what is the difference between inner and outer? It seems like you have in two different ways over the course of this conversation like expressed not finding something in an inner space and then realizing that it, it, the outer space is abundant with it. Mm. What's the difference? There's Lon Mila Duquette's answer, which is um, it's all in your head, but you have no idea how big your head is. I believe consciousness is an emergent property, right? The whole thing is like talking and speaking and I am part of the whole thing talking and speaking, but I am also an individual unit who can be talked to and spoken with but communication is possible because we have we're permeable you know like the inner and outer is like a semi-permeable membrane uh and i like that about it 